what's up y'all it's your favorite author here happy rising it is what thursday yeah, yeah that's what Reagan i'm saying <laughs> thursday may 26 2022 on a gregorian calendar uh i think it might be 10 8 or 9 on the mayan slogan you know the downside about being so addicted to these devices is we don't know nothing without them for real for real we are back with more God Moments. Are y'all enjoying the God Moments series, y'all? Because we literally, Tayasha and I will find ourselves just like talking and then it literally turns into a God Moment. So um, we're back, you know, we definitely do the God Moments for ourselves as well as listeners, you know, our listeners. So um, we appreciate you all for checking in with us. Our guest host is back. She's here to stay, y'all. If y'all don't <laughs> like it, oh well. Um, Tayasha, she can't get rid of me, y'all. <laughs> Where can the people find you if they don't know by now? I am fit Tayasha. F dot I dot T dot T A I A S H A three A's one I one S one H one T. Oh, labor pains in the building. You already know. Ooh ah. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, hashtag Master Healing Educator. Fan base, fan base, fan base. A little bit of Instagram, a little bit of Facebook. And you can always text 502-21-WRITE if you'd like to be a sponsor or a guest on the Women Who Cannabis Live podcast. Women Who Can Live Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 a.m. on Real 1100 a.m beautiful beautiful make sure y'all stay connected with her y'all will not regret it again she is amazing um and i've been seeing y'all feedback you know i appreciate the feedback we've been getting um like i said people were like oh please tell us more about triggers and coping and different things so we're definitely here to lay it all out for you all um tayasha you got it it's on you today <laughs> god moment I wanted to talk about coping mechanisms today. A lot of the conversations we have are organic, y'all. We talk about the things that are going on in our lives. And, um, we, you know, try to help each other mitigate stuff. So, we both have a lot of life changes going on. That's why we talked about triggers last week. And we got some things coming up that we know are going to trigger us. So, we, we're here to talk about coping mechanisms. For both of us, um, you know, we have very unique lifestyles and very flowing routines but having a routine is a very good coping mechanism having a calendar having a dinacharya dinacharya is um ayurvedic for daily routine so i have a dinacharya chart <clears throat> that i wrote out on a whiteboard and i check off everything as i go down the list so wake up before 6 a.m check that off i didn't do that today um hydration and elimination first thing you do grab your water go to the bathroom did that I break my fast with fruit. I haven't done that yet. And, you know, then we do tongue scraping and toothbrushing and oil pulling and abiyanga, which is a medicated oil bath. So these are all different tools that I use. But one of the, the same tools we both use is music. So, um, you know, when I did the first radio show, that was the first thing I did is have musicians on. Because music is that, that uh, tool that soothes the savage beast, you know. So some people wake up and automatically start journaling um, or start meditating to kind of get the downloads from their prayers. That's not something I typically do, but I keep many notebooks nearby. What is one of the songs that you have to start your day with? Ooh, um, there's one song by Beautiful Chorus, Please Bring Positivity Into mm -hmm. My Life. Positivity. I yes. love that. Yes, I love that. Um, I just think it really sets the vibration for the day. Um, that and I also like Better Days by Leandria Johnson like so I use that one if I'm feeling a little bit low mm -hmm. and it'll bring me up and let me know like hey Better Days are coming Better Days are here so those are my two you know go to's how about you? Girl I got a whole Apple Music playlist that I go to and it's like five hours long okay. so uh, it starts out with the prayer of the seven galactic directions by Jose Aguirre's and it just helps me reconnect with nature. And it actually ends, Ayun Hunaku, which means all hail the harmony of mind and nature. Mm. So, you know, north, south, east, west, above, below, inside. And uh, from there, I go into my beautiful chorus. 
Yes. So it's, it, it starts with that. Uh, it's, a, it's almost like a vow. It's called a family affirmation or something like mm. that. And it was interesting because when I first heard it, it was like, if you look or sound different, trans or gay, I still love and respect you each and every day. Mm. And I mean, that's just something that when I recite this affirmation, I recite it to myself mm-hmm. because I do look and sound different. Right. I look and sound trans and gay and, and androgynous and all this stuff. But it gets to another part and it says, I'll forever do my best to explore joy and play. And as adults, we so we forget about exploring joy and play. We forget about that, those childlike moments that can bring us so much joy and bring us so much peace. Mm-hmm. And we're carrying, most of us are carrying so many childhood wounds that we're so serious and so stuck on uh, lack and trying to have the basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter, that we forget to enjoy ourselves and we forget mm-hmm. to play. So these are some of my coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So when things trigger me, uh, my first thought is, why am I triggered? You know, why is this triggering me? Is it, you know, it's not usually just what the person said or just what the person did. Mm-hmm. It triggers something else in me. And I try to get to the source of that trigger. Sometimes I can't get to it. Sometimes I can't get to the source of that trigger. And sometimes I can't even process the emotions I'm feeling. Right. So in those moments, that's when I take a walk. That's when I throw some darts. That's when I shadow box. Mm-hmm. Like any of those things other than standing there screaming at somebody. Okay. Because what I'm not about to do is fight you. Y'all, I write because I don't fight. I write and I speak because I don't fight. I want to communicate and work things out. I'm, I'm not here to scream. You know, I cuss a lot, but I'm not here to scream expletives at you. I'm not here to put hands on nobody. I'm here to simply learn and grow. And so learning and growing means I can't default to my negative pattern. I can't default to my negative habit. I have to really take the time to be self-aware. And that's the key to mastery in your life is being self-aware, aware of yourself, why you act how you act, why you react how you react. You know, a lot of people will turn a good person to a bad person, pushing them and pushing them and pushing them. And then they, oh, oh, you reacted like this. You a horrible person. Well, you pushed me to react like that. Mm-hmm. So it's up to me to maintain my emotional boundaries is up to me to maintain. You know, people always like, well, why you do that? You know that triggers me. It's not up to nobody else to balance and mitigate your triggers. It's right. up to you to mitigate your triggers. Right. Correct. I agree with that on so many levels. And just to add to it, because I know you were talking about, like, reacting. Um, so, for me, I try to respond instead of react, react. too. Because... When I am triggered, or if I get triggered before I react, I'm like, wait, let me respond. And sometimes when I respond, I have to go ahead and cuss the person out. It is what it is, you know, because I'm like, you just triggered me. And like I was telling yesterday, um, y'all shout out to Jaquita Zachary. I was on her um, radio show podcast yesterday. Um, but I was saying a lot of times we're triggered because we don't have boundaries set with, with certain people and certain things, and we don't have boundaries set with ourselves. So, we don't really know like how can you know your triggers if you don't have boundaries for real you know what i'm saying you gotta set those boundaries you got to even with friendships with relationships you know um in my relationships i ask what are your relationship boundaries what are your friendship boundaries mom what what are your mom boundaries like you know um, i'm like what's your hard no what's your non-negotiable yes yes seriously let me know what pitch you are so i know not to do it yes exactly like I so agree with that. Like, you have to pay attention to that when you are being triggered. Like she said, ask yourself why. And based on that why, determine if you're going to respond or react. You know, responding is something you have to take the time to think about your approach. But reacting is almost like, you know, yeah. So you want to catch Listen, y'all, I reacted very badly the other day. Let me tell you what happened. I was in the kitchen with my children, and they were loving on me and climbing on me and touching on me. And after a while, I get touch overload. Touch is my love language. I love to be touched, but I get touch overload, and I've had some sexual trauma growing up. So one of my daughters accidentally uh, brushed too close to my vagina. And I had a flashback of when one of my older daughters did it, and I slapped the crap out of her. So I caught myself, and I said, okay, everybody, I need you to stop. I need you to get off me. I need you to stop touching me. I, I need to walk away right now. 
And as I started to walk away, one of my babies ran their hand across my stomach and was like, Mama's pregnant. And I just went ballistic. I was like, I just told y'all to stop touching me. Da 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 da. And, you know, I went to bed and I didn't apologize and I felt real bad about it. And so, you know, I came back the next morning and I talked to my children and I was like, you know, last night, I didn't mean to go off on y'all like that, but mama went through some things when she was little. Some people touching me the way they shouldn't. And I'm very sensitive when people's hands come near my privates. And no, I know y'all didn't do it on purpose, but this is what triggered me and this is why that happened. And so we have to have these conversations with people around us. You have to teach the people how to love on you until you can mitigate some of those triggers. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's on me, you know. And, and as soon as I felt myself getting, uh, it's a physical reaction, you know. And I told him, I said, I, it's a physical reaction. I will slap the shit out of you. You touch me wrong. Right. So I had to, like, just back up out the situation. And so these are the things I, I wanted to talk to you all about because I know my sister here is going into travel this weekend and traveling for me is a trigger. Tra- traveling for her is a trigger. So just kind of trying to come up with ideas for how to keep ourselves safe while we do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, you actually took me back, and I'm going to take y'all with me. I was inside of, you know, one of the mental institutions um, in Orlando, Florida, and um, I, was on, I was what they call Florida Baker Egg. So that's basically when the cops can kick you down, kick your door down and, um, you know, arrest you under Baker Act and say that, you know, put you on suicide watch pretty much. Um, and what happened was the cops got a call, you know, they got a call from someone, you know, hours and hours away. But they're concerned saying like this girl, you know, is posting bad things on Facebook. We think something is wrong. So cops came to my house um and literally prepared all of my neighbors they prepared the whole um complex to stand by just in case they had to come inside and kill me right so um you know they broke they they i opened the door for them they burst in arrest me i'm naked you know handcuff me take me out put me on the back of the ambulance give me an injection so now i'm woozy now i'm sleep but when I anyway, when I woke up inside of the hospital, they were asking me to change my gown, and they were being so aggressive with me and literally touching me in ways that definitely, definitely did not feel right. And I just broke down crying, like I felt so like dehumanized. I felt at that time, even if I had boundaries, I, I'm telling y'all, they were crossing them. Like, and so I just felt powerless. So I guess Tayasha what do you do during those moments that you you feel like you can't set boundaries or you you just feel powerless like that's a good question one thing that has helped me a lot is a book (laughs) it's a book called boundaries oh wow i don't remember the name of the author but it's a book and a workbook and i've had this book for over 10 years and it's funny because the guy i guess when i got it in 2010 I did like the first three chapters and then last year I did like another three chapters and so you know I know as I continue to go through this book and it talks about how boundaries are established as a child and what kind of boundaries and different types of boundaries and it gives a lot of uh you might like this Christian examples of boundaries and how we think boundaries are supposed to go based on our Christian upbringing but how that's not right you know what I'm saying yeah I need that book so um, that book has helped a lot. It just you know going through the through the exercises and practicing, you know, it's hard when you don't have boundaries or when you grow up in a household like mine where your boundaries are not respected. Mm-hmm. You don't have any autonomy with your body. You, you do as you're told. You dress as you're told. You eat what you're told, or you don't eat. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a hard lifestyle coming up, and especially if you are like us and you're very expressive. And you told a child's places to sit down and be quiet right. and to be seen and not heard. And you don't even get to express yourself. So I take every chance I get to express my boundaries. Absolutely. And that's how you build them up by constantly expressing them, even on little things. No, it's not okay for you to ask me, y'all, I smoke. So I'm going to use this as an example. I had a roommate who was staying here. He asked me for a cigarette. I gave him a cigarette. When he got ready to get up and go in the house, he picked up my box of cigarettes and got ready to get him another one. No, it's not okay for you to go in my stuff and take it because I gave it to you once. Right. That's not okay. So I practice my boundaries like that all the time. Um, 
I had a, a neighbor approach me and was like, you know, girl, you look good when you got them little short dresses on. I seen you or whatever. When can I take you out? And my next response was, aren't you married? That's a hard boundary, right? right. Aren't you married? Oh, yeah, but I like what I see. My next response was, that's your problem, not mine. That's a hard boundary, bruh. I'm not right. interested. Right. You know, and he had slicked, slicked his way into getting my number. Like, oh, we've been neighbors all these years. I need to have your number case, da 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 And so after he walks away, he texts me and goes, well, we're going to work it out. No, nah, bruh, I just told you no. I gave you my number on some neighbor shit, and you hitting me on some hoochie coochie shit, and I'm not interested. So that was a hard boundary for me. And to take it a step further, I had to exercise something that I never really did growing up, which was speaking up and speaking out about the wrong. Mm-hmm. I prayed on this for a month before I went to my neighbor's um, stepdaughter, because she and I have somewhat of a relationship, and I said, hey, is this your mom's husband? I mean, is this your dad? And she was like, no, nah, it's just my mom's husband. I said, <laughs> it makes it a little easier for me to tell you this. This is what happened. And her sister came over the other day and she said, you know, I wanted to thank you and tell you you didn't do nothing wrong. And that meant so much to me because I know how wrong I was all the times in my life when I didn't speak up. And I'm going to tell y'all something else. When you do speak up and people tell you you lying or people victim shame you and victim blame you, you keep on speaking up. You go speak to somebody else. Fuck them ignorant people who can't see what was done to you or don't want to see what was done to you. Because... I'm going to speak real and truthfully. If your parents deny you when you tell them something fucked up happened to you, it's not because of you. I need you to understand it ain't nothing to do with you. It has to do with them not wanting to take accountability for not protecting you. Yeah, that's it. And you hit the nail on the head. I and, and I'm glad we spoke about this. Even when I woke up this morning, God was just placing in my spirit like, Latifah, you're fine. You're okay. I want you to hold people accountable for the way they make you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Like, exactly what she said. Always hold people accountable for the way that they make you feel. And, and... Understand this. You control your feelings. Nobody can yeah. make you sad. Nobody can make you angry. You control your feelings. Mm-hmm. But you hold people accountable for how they a- attempt to make you feel or what yeah. they attempt to do to you that has you feeling some type of way yeah that's that's it that's the one because if you don't they will literally like she said victim shame victim blame so yeah don't let nobody um you know victim blame you like once again hold people accountable for you know the way that they attempt to make you feel call people out on their bullshit you know you know what's bullshit if it's thanks to you then it's some bullshit you know uh, I ain't going for it in this season. Like, people, I almost said people have walked all over me, but it's because I've allowed it, you know? I've been on the floor for so long. Now that I don't want to be on the floor no more, and now that I don't want to be stepped on no more, and I, now that I'm standing up for myself, a lot of people around me can't take it, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, we pray for the ones to be moved from around us, and when you start holding your boundaries, people are going to be moved from around you no matter what. Oh, I can't fool with you. Okay, bye. Okay. You know, one thing, um, y'all, we paused because I had a phone call. One thing that I just asked my friend, I said, um, what do you do when you're triggered? And how do you cope? And he said, you know, when something triggers me, I look at the bigger picture. And that's the thing. The four agreements, I think the first one of the four agreements is uh, don't take anything personal. So when people are mistreated, I've learned to not take it personally, even with my own parents. I had to look at my parents and say, okay, they could only raise me from the point that they were raised. They could only give me what they had. They could only teach me what they knew. So if all they knew was fear and dysfunction and blind obedience to the cross, then that's what they taught me. And so um, I've learned to not take anything personal. And that's healed a lot of relationships as well. Now, it's one thing for you to grow up and the person treats you the same or treats you differently. They, they can accept, oh, you know what? I didn't treat you right. I didn't treat you fairly. I did this. I did that. And my mother has done that. She's put it on Facebook. She didn't put my name, but she was like, you know, I, I, I want to acknowledge that 
I don't like your daddy, so I mistreated you. Now, everybody and everybody called me. I hadn't seen this post. Everybody called me like your mama said, da 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 da. And and so you know, that was a nice healing point for me. But at the same time, my mother still treats me differently. Mm. But I've healed from it for the simple fact that she doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that as we do this healing work and we go on these healing journeys, everybody's not ready mm-hmm. to do the work. Everybody's not ready to face those darkest, deepest parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people right now are talking about you got to do the shadow work. And you have to because the timelines have changed rapidly. And we, you know, for those of you who believe in Christ and believe in um, various religions, you know, they all have their different prophecies that say we in the end times, you know. So the timelines have changed rapidly. So you have to do the inner work because what's going to happen if you don't, it's going to drive you crazy. Literally. Literally. (laughs) And not everybody comes back. Shout out to those of us who do uh, go crazy and come back. I Uh, tell people, I say, I took a mental walk. Okay. I I took a a mental, I had a mental break. I took a mental walk. Mm -hmm. I had an episode. It was an episode. Mm -hmm. When you watch an episode of a TV show, it's scripted. Mm -hmm. It's laid out. It's staged. And that's what it felt like for me scripted laid out and staged but it had to happen for me to have a certain awakening absolutely absolutely and i would also to add to that sometimes they say you know like she said uh, not everybody is ready to heal and sometimes people try to say well you know uh, you got to meet people where they are but no you don't people need to rise up to meet you and if they refuse to rise up to meet you then that's where you leave them <laughs> you leave them where they at like in this season I only want connections that are greater than or equal to. I'm tired of pouring. I'm tired, Tayasha. Last year, well, 2020, I had, uh, it ain't no secret, y'all. I had uh, stepped out of my relationship, started another one, ruined my family (laughs) for a young man who was 29 years old. And we had a lot in common, but we were trauma bonded. And as time progressed I kept saying you know you need to heal you need to heal you need to heal and he said I don't want to heal Ooh. he Ooh. said I carry what I carry to keep me strong mm-hmm. and I told him I said when you he, he gave me an analogy because he's into bodybuilding of lifting weights and, and he said you know care, walking around carrying a, a dumbbell like this you know like a big, a big weight <clears throat> and he said I walk around I carry that and I said but eventually you're going to drop it Correct. You're dropping it on your toes, you're dropping it on your head, you're dropping it on your mother, you're dropping it on your girlfriend, you're dropping it on all the people who love you. Mm-hmm. And you're hurting people. And that's not okay. It's not. And when he said, when he said, I said, you know what? I can't even be your friend no more. Mm-hmm. We, we had stopped seeing each other on a relationship tip and I just tried to be his friend and be a support for him because he has issues like we have. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't even be your friend no more. Because you don't think you need to change. And so there is that part of me that's like meet people where they are. But on the other side, I don't know if I said this on the air, y'all. But I told her, this girl don't watch no movies. I got some movies I got to put her on to. But it's a movie called The Celestine Prophecy. I think I did mention it. And so he's learning like the eight or nine levels of The Celestine Prophecy. And each level is like a level of yourself. And when he gets towards the last level, he's being hunted by... uh, by some soldiers who have guns and he's running up this this hill and he's on the cliff and it's like you, you're stuck with being faced do I jump off the cliff or do I get shot mm-hmm. but he was standing in his power and what he learned about himself and the soldiers walked right by him they didn't even see him mm-hmm. when you are operating on your frequency mm-hmm. people who are beneath you some of them if you are if you're a healer if you are meant to help people heal, some of them are going to come to you. They're going to come to you. They're going to find you because you still have a little bit of that frequency that they resonate with. Mm-hmm. Whatever wound you had as a child or wound you had as an adult that you have healed, um, they still can see it in a sense or energetically align with it, and they come to you. But you, if you're like us, you may have learned how to help those people heal without hurting yourself. That took a long time to learn. I still struggle with it because I'm quick to say yes and offer up my house, my home, my food, my body, whatever people need to help them heal. 
Yeah, I said body. It was sacred horse back in the day. Okay. That's another conversation. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can talk about it on the Arthur Queen podcast. That I like that. We might have to revisit that. Them room. sacred horse. You know, they had a they had a purpose. Hmm. They had a purpose. So you know, when you when you really come to that knowing of yourself and your frequency and your vibration, you don't never have to lower your vibration to meet anybody where they are. Mm-hmm. They will come up to your level, mm-hmm. like she said. If they can't, they'll do their best, and those who those who don't do their best, because like your shine is gonna intimidate people. Mm-hmm. Your shine is gonna either draw people to you or draw people from you. Correct. And you have to be strong enough to stand in that and not question, oh, why they don't like me, why they won't be with me, why they don't call me. I've accepted my relationship with certain people. Right. I've accepted that this particular person is only going to call me when they need some money. Mm-hmm. This particular person is only going to call me when they need to gossip. I don't gossip no more unless it's about my own business because I can tell my own business. Okay. Better than anybody. <laughs> you know. So, it's up to me to maintain those boundaries. Maintaining the boundaries is one of the key first steps for coping. One of the key first steps to mitigating your triggers is maintain your boundaries. And if you don't know how, get you a support system, get you a therapist, get you a book, get whatever you need to learn and practice boundaries as often as possible and practice them small. Mm -hmm. My children try me all the freaking time. Mom, can I get on your tablet? No, dad said you couldn't get on the tablet for five days. Well, can I just listen to a song? Well, can I get on your phone? Well, can I get on a little computer? Well, can I get on a big computer? Kids will ask you stuff over and over and over and over again until you say yes. Yes, I will maintain the hell out of that boundary. Eventually, they they know me. Eventually, I'm like, man, go somewhere. Here, take this thing so you can leave me the hell alone. But for the most part, this is where I practice. Practice, practice, practice. So that when I step out into a situation, I can handle myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm responding versus reacting. Yep. And I'm going to start leaving y'all with some, not homework, but self-work. So from this day forward, if you have not done this already, please sit down, literally sit down and identify who you are, what you like, what you don't like, identify your triggers, identify your boundaries so that you can know when they're being crossed. You know, literally sit with that. I mean, if, if, because one, one thing about it, you always add to the list. Sometimes you may take away, you know, like, look, I mastered that already, so that's not my trigger anymore. I know how to deal with that, you know. And literally, if you have to keep a journal, whatever you have to do, start paying attention to that. Tasha, do you have any resources, anything you recommend, like, to help them do that? Mm, I keep, uh, you know, I keep pen and paper on me, but I use my phone more than anything nowadays. So, I I will go back and replay a situation in my head mm. and be like, oh, man, you should have responded like this. Mm. So, I'll put a voice note on my phone. I like it. So, that if that situation ever happens again, I have a tool already made of how I can respond in case Love I'm it. too in my emotions to think. That works. I've, I've literally had to record a video. One day, I felt so good. Actually, I've done this twice. So, I was feeling real good that day. I said, let me do a video to myself you know because i might need this one day and when i was feeling low another day i rewatched that video of me speaking life into myself because sometimes you you have to block out the voice of everybody else you got to know when you're speaking when god is speaking you got to know when your higher self is talking when your lower self is talking you want to leave that bitch where she at always <laughs> um, but yes y'all like that's I, how god moment started that's mm. how God moment started. Was not just me replaying the, the incidents where I said, "Okay, I need to respond differently." Mm. But like you said, having those moments where ooh, everything feels so good, everything feels like it's in flow, it's in alignment. I feel like I'm sitting here with God, and that's when I pull out my phone and I start recording. So I have lots of God moments mm. on my phone, um, and not just me recording me. Like, love it. Right where you're sitting, I tend to get a very good view of of nature mm-hmm. so i've got some wonderful videos of like hawks and mm-hmm. uh chipmunks and squirrels and you know different it. look i got a video i don't know if you saw me post a video of the bees getting it on on the porch no and i missed the that bees was getting it in <laughs> i, I was like oh one. my god you know i so missed that one i had i have those god moments and that was the other thing i was going to say i'm glad you said that is one of the biggest tools you can have 
is holding on to those things that are your God moments. Mm-hmm. Those can help you mitigate your triggers so much quicker and easier than uh, kind of like replaying, well, what did I do last time? You know, okay. What I do wrong? When I have situations that have a potential to turn out bad, I think about all the ways it could turn out bad, but then I go, well, how could it turn out good? Yeah. What's the best thing that ha- could happen? And when I think about what's the best thing that happen- could happen, I think of something that like I try to think outside the box like there is no box mm. there is no box you know for example um, y'all I'm going through uh, the eviction process I, I'm, I'm renting a house I was renting a house in 2015-2016 got sick and had to move out of that house by a certain time I moved out three hours later so I ended up owing them $2,000 and that kept me from being able to rent a home for several years my family we were homeless for three years the house I, I'm in now, a friend of mine was living here. She moved out, put a word in for the owner, and I was able to get the house. I was working, but y'all know the pandemic hit, and my mental health took a big turn uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. My dad died. I got laid off from work, and, um, you know, just a lot of things happened mentally that I wasn't ready for. So I fell behind on the rent. Uh, a couple months behind, I paid, you know, and my lease was up in May. And they said, um, they didn't tell me till September they weren't going to renew. So from May to September, I really didn't hear from them. And I really had a lot going on and I did not pay. I tried to get assistance and stuff like that, but I, I wasn't able to get it. Long story short, I'm in the process of being evicted again. And I kept thinking, well, what is the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, they show up with the sheriff to put my ish out immediately, right? Mm-hmm. What's the best case scenario? Now, this is not even realistic, right? Totally unrealistic. I said, best case scenario is that I go to court and I plead my case or whatever. And the community comes out behind me and says, you know, yeah, she's been in this house and she's been doing this stuff. Y'all don't understand. I try to open a community center in the house I'm living in, like feeding the homeless and stuff when I first came here. Um, I said, the best case scenario would be the judge be like, you know what? You can stay there. That's your house. I could retrofit it with the earthship, you know, stuff I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I want to retrofit this house with a greenhouse and water reclamation and all this stuff. I love it. And I said, that would be the best case scenario. Mm. Why can't I focus on that? Right. You know, people, oh, you're not realistic. Oh, you live in a fantasy world. Well, that was one of the beautiful joys that I have about being me. Right. Being that I had the childhood trauma I had. I got stuck in some of those ages. So I'm still very childlike in some of my thinking. And to me, that's beautiful Mm. to have that ability to see not just the worst case, but an unimaginable uh, reality for the best case. So that if anything does happen, you're prepared for it. Like I prepare myself for the, the good and the bad, you know? So for me, that is definitely a good tool to have. Like it's, it's not living in a fairy tale world. But it's, it has helped me change outcomes. When I moved back home with my mother, I called her and I said, Hey, you know, I know we have our, ha- our, our past and we have our history, but I'm coming home because you asked me to come home for your surgery and because I need a place to live. And we're going to do this differently. Mm-hmm. Hey, my name is Tayasha. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. I love it. And so going in, having taken it as, not going with the worst case. Oh, my mom was mean to me growing up. All oh, she cussed me out. All oh, she beat me. All oh, she did this. No, I went in and said, you know what? That's done. I'm going, Tayasha, to meet Janet. Nice to meet you. I love it. And so for that six months that I lived at home, it wasn't hell. You know, if you expect hell, you get hell. You expect heaven, you get heaven. So even when things started happening that were similar to when I was growing up, if my mother spoke to me too harshly or, um, you know, if she, uh, I don't want to put my mom out there like that, but if she did some of her things that she used to do when I was younger, I didn't automatically feel a type of way. I had to respect that that's where she is. Right. And I'm in her house. So let me do the best. Like when I went home, now, I know damn well my mama ain't tell me to go in that kitchen and wash them dishes, but you better believe every night before I went to bed, 
I wash them dishes because I know my mama don't like no sink full of dishes. Right. You know, so it's certain things I had to do myself to keep it from becoming an issue. But when you start to look at things from that viewpoint, from not taking it personal, from self-reflection, how can I own this situation? How can I change this situation? Right. I had to learn. Yeah, I'm going to say what I'm going to say to people, but I had to learn certain people. I have to, to tone it a certain way to get the response that I that I want. I love so I think about it. Okay, if I got to say this to my mom, how can I say this? Because if I say it like this, this is what's going to happen. You know this is what's going to happen. So do you not say it at all or do you temper it? And I go through these processes with everybody, not just my mother, but I go through it with my children, my partners, my friends, you. How can I make sure that I'm in control of me in this situation? Because I can't control nobody else but me. Nobody else. Nobody else. And to add to that, I would even say control what you can control and release the rest. Yeah. You know, if you find yourself losing control of a situation, release it. Literally release it. Literally choose and say the hell with this. Tayasha, what kept you during those six <laughs> months with mama? <laughs> Man, the joy, the joy. It was like being a little kid watching my mom all over again. You know, we when we're children, we learn everything by watching our parents. Mm-hmm. They can say what they're going to say, but we watch it. So to watch my mother and um, to see her operate in her space in her, as herself, without having the stress I mean she had me and my children there but you know she didn't have that obligation of having to take care of my children so without that stress of having to take care of children just to see her interact with her dog and you know how she move about and like going into her bathroom my mom got these counters full of perfumes and stuff and she you know my kids touching stuff but just seeing her be her in her element gave me that appreciation and when, like I said, when she reverted to some behaviors that bothered me as a child, I could see, well, she's still stuck in her trauma. Mm. She's still stuck at this age. And it, and it didn't, there was no judgment. Y'all have to release any judgment you have in your heart towards yourself and other people about where they are. And so what kept me is my master teacher telling me, release. Mm. Release things without judgment. Acknowledge things without judgment. I love and so when it got to a point where it became uncomfortable and judgment, because judgment did come up, you know, uh, this is when I said, you know what, it's time for me to be out of this situation. And it was so funny because I had applied for an apartment down there where my mom was living and on the housing authority. And I didn't get it because I owed the $2,000 from the other house. Uh-huh. And um, as soon as I got my letter that said I didn't get it, she said, you got to get out. I had already had, uh, I don't know why I had a U-Haul reserve, but I already had a U-Haul reserve. So I went and got the U-Haul and went to my mom's house and got my stuff. My mom loaded up that truck crying. Wow. She loaded up the truck. I'm, I'm loading up the truck, but she's loading up the stuff too, crying. But when you coming back, I'm not. Ooh. I'm not. Mm, Because it got to the point where me and my mother had words. Um, And now, mind you, this was six months. We had, you know, a nice nice run. But Mm -hmm. towards the end, it got to the point where we had some words. And my mother was standing at the kitchen sink, washing dishes and and, and talking to me in a way. And I was standing up for myself. And she was like, you need to stop talking to me before I stab you. And in my mind, I'm seeing her come towards me with this knife and me knock her out. So I was like, Lord, let me get out of here because I don't want my children to see me disrespect my mother. Mm-hmm. My children have seen me hit my mother. Because mm. I, I, I'm going to tell y'all right now, I ain't taking no licks off of nobody. My mother was still with my ass at 44 years old, and I ain't taking it from nobody. So um, I went ahead and left. You know what I'm saying? Do I love my mother any less? No. Do I have any negative feelings towards that experience? No. Because I got to see where my mother is in her life like you said it's an experience that was an experience you don't live there anymore you don't have to stay there you know and that's what I have to tell myself and I knew when I was healing because I was able to revisit dark moments and dark spaces because just like there are God moments there are also dark moments but you're able to revisit the dark hole and the dark moments without falling in it you know 
So I appreciate you for being able to share that experience with me, you know, without getting triggered again, getting angry, you know. You're able to, again, reflect on that dark moment and turn it into a God moment, you know. That's a God moment because I needed to hear that. Um, I get, I, I, I'm still learning how to recover from mama trauma. It's, it's a real thing. Shout out to my mentor, Kendra Wahil. Okay. Um, if y'all haven't gotten her book, please go and get Kendra's book. Like she talks about that good old mama trauma. Um, but it's a real thing. Mama trauma, friend trauma, dad trauma, family trauma, work trauma. I mean, you know. But ultimately, you have to ask yourself, am I going to stay in this? Am I going to die in this? You know, what am I going to do? And so that was the whole purpose of today's episode. We want wanted to provide you all with some ways that you can, again, identify your triggers and learn how to cope. Learn how to heal. Learn how to go back and identify what hurt you and i'm gonna leave y'all with this and i know tayasha has some something great to leave y'all with as well but there's an example i was told um by another mentor she was like it's almost like you were a baby you have to go back and ask yourself who dropped you Mm. okay you gotta see who dropped you once you identify who dropped you what happened i'm telling y'all it works go back and say who dropped me because it's i mean you can almost feel that hard hit you can almost feel you know when your life started taking a turn you know or even that moment even when you're triggered who dropped you who dropped me who hurt me you know identify that and work on your healing plan work on your routine work on your daily routine and i would even add um shout out to begin with ashley she helped me with the importance of having a night routine you know i realized that i can't be up at night writing at 3 a.m as bad as i want to no baby eight o'clock it's time to start my night routine seven o'clock it's time to start my night routine because i ain't gonna fall asleep till 11 12 1 o'clock so just like you need a day routine you also need a night routine and having a night routine has helped me with sleep deprivation hallucinations i don't have a night routine and i need to work on that uh definitely mm-hmm. um one thing i wanted to leave y'all with because she mentioned the book and i you know as soon as she started talking about books i got books in my mind and come up okay my master teacher high priestess my aunt and makaru amen yes that's her name yes she has several books but one of them is called what's in your womb And for you sisters out there, we carry our trauma in the womb. Even if you've never had sex, you carry your trauma in the pelvic region, in the fascia that connects your hip bones together. Mm -hmm. And so when you, um, the vagus nerve runs straight from the brain down to the womb area. So it's a, a constant communication between the brain and the womb. And that is where we carry our pain. That is where we carry our trauma. When in, in the book, What's in Your Womb, she gets into an exercise where you go through your different relationships, and it's mostly with partners, but I actually did it with my mom, too, and you put down, like, their, um, and I may not be saying this right, get the book, but their habits and things that they they did that you see that you do. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that almost yeah. knocked me out right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you see what, you, what what those habits and things are that you took on from those people, mm. you can start to release that. I had an index card for each person. I was like, man, convicted, convicted, because okay. I'm going through the relationships, you know, and you say, how did this person hurt you? Oh, well, they lied to me. Oh, they cheated on me. Mm. Well, did you lie? Well, did you cheat? Well, golly. So that definitely helps you release that trauma associated with them but also how you have picked up those habits because i was with a narc a narcissist i picked up some narcissist traits i was raised by a narcissist i picked up some narcissist traits so you really got to look at yourself at the end of the day there is nobody out there that controls you except you you can talk about all the conspiracy theories the dark the harp the all of the different tools that they got the radiation and this and that but at the end of the day, your soul, your spirit, your body belongs to you and the God you made the covenant contract with to come here. 
your parents will say they brought you in this world they can take you out they can try it but they're gonna catch hell from your ancestors and from the legal system divinely protected and like she said at the end of the day i also say uh at the beginning of the day right you, all that still applies when you wake up from the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed you need to be aware of who you are aware of your triggers and also something that my aunt told me um she said baby people really ain't that different she said you can literally sit down and write down the categories of the interactions of different that you've had with people and you will start to see, oh, I could put this person in that category. I could put that person. because, and, and, and I think she's right. Like, when I look at back at my relationships or when I look at friendships, and I mean, it's just like, y'all really wasn't that different. And so the lesson was on me mm-hmm. to grasp. Like, it was left up to me to grasp. So, yeah, I just overall hold people accountable for, you know, like I said, the way they make me feel. And I keep it moving forward. If... If it doesn't align with me that day, you know, I they what they call bipolar and schizophrenic and all that, it's just like energy and moods in my situation. I can only speak for my situation. Like, you calling me bipolar because what? Because I'm not okay with what you did today, even though I was okay with that shit yesterday. Like, no, I, I, I'm establishing my boundaries. Like, <laughs> you want to call me bipolar and schizophrenic? She made me choke on my coffee. <laughs> I'm serious. It's the truth, though. We have people have the right to change their mind. Yes, and that's the that's the thing. Some people really get offended by like mm-hmm. people changing their mind. I have a right to not feel that way. My energy flow has changed, and I have Thank that you. right. And you can call it bipolar if you want, like you said. I'm okay with that. Like, but don't try to diagnose me and give me medication for it because I'm literally setting boundaries, okay? But that's a whole other story for another day. And in fact, if I wouldn't have uh, refused their medication by now, oh yeah, I would absolutely be. I'd be dead. Literally. Literally. I'm gonna lie. Because that's what it is. Even like when they want to cure viruses and all that. Why Side do you have effects to... of this medication may include death <laughs> or thoughts of suicide. Bitch, isn't this what I'm taking the medication or, for? Okay, psychosis. You giving me a pill for psychosis that may cause psychosis? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> uh, you making shit. me go to sleep? You, you giving me a pill to go to sleep that could bust my heart open? Like. No. Oh shit. And are then, you kidding me? Like you, you don't want serious? me to use cannabis, but you want me to take Xanax and Lorazepam and Ativan and, and, and everything and else. I had a social worker or a therapist come to my house and Lord, I think they set me up because this man was fucking gorgeous. Ooh. Lord, he was gorgeous. <laughs> and he said, I didn't even read your chart, but let me guess you got childhood trauma and sexual trauma. And I'm looking at this man like if you don't get your fine ass wedding ring wearing ass off of me in front of my face talking to me about my traumas. But he asked me about my medication. And so I was like, I had been on Prozac and Remeron. And he said, Remeron? He said, if you were on Remeron, you really didn't like to sleep. And then he mentioned, like, he didn't tell me the side effects, but he was like, if you was on Remeron, like, I understand, like, I don't, and that's what made me go back and look it up. I'm like, no wonder I was in such a rage. But when I was on Remeron, I was a zombie. I was a freaking zombie. I just had a download that almost knocked me out because, and that's why I can't do that Western medication, because we're still deep. We're still detoxing from that. And so, even when I still don't find myself sleeping, that pill is somewhere in me, spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. What did you tell me? What did you tell me? You said you need to detox your liver. Hmm. People take my own advice. Who do iridology, who look in the eyes. That's the first thing when they see me. They say, mm-hmm. detox your liver. Yeah. Mama Adama. Wow. If y'all don't know, Adama speaks Mother Earth's blessing here in Atlanta, Georgia. Look her up. She got a... Uh, she said she got a lifeline. It's a six seven eight seven six zero number. Look her up. Uh, she have these cleansing clays. I tell people I didn't use the clay properly. I didn't follow instructions. You know, I keep doing these detoxes without following instructions properly and replenishing. And I and 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 I took a whole bunch of it too. It's like take an eighth of a teaspoon and an eight ounces of water. And I took like a tablespoon and and eight ounces of water and sipped it like it was some tea threw up everything but after that i remember i said i didn't like the smell of 
Popeyes anymore, mm -hmm. and I love Popeyes, y'all. Meat smelled like death. When I tell you, when you cleanse your system on a cellular level, and that's going to be this Friday's show too, Dr. Tashima um, Haynes. We're going to be talking about cellular cleansing. Yes. So when you cleanse your system on a cellular level, then uh, a lot of these psychosis and things, and these parasites too, they, people don't understand how sugar is really a drug like cocaine, mm -hmm. and how parasites like yeast feed on this sugar, and how they take over your brain, y'all. Mm -hmm. You really need to understand your body. Yes. And understand that while we are definitely unique divine beings of God, we are also the same. Yes. So the same poisons in the in the in the air and in the soil. Y'all know I couldn't say soil on the radio the other the other day. I said soil. <laughs> the same poisons in the air and the water and the soil that affect me affect you. Mm -hmm. They may affect us differently depending on our DNA and what we carry from our cellular trauma from generations, especially based on the level of melanin that you have. Mm -hmm. So when I say study y'all, study yourself, study science, study biology, study mathematics, study psychology, but understand too that those models of medicine are not built on you who are melanated. It's not built on you. It's not based on you, but they study you more than you study you. Yep. That's no lie. That's absolutely no lie. And, um... Y'all, this wow. was supposed to be a calming, peaceful episode, and I, I was like <laughs> intense today. All the way. Intense, intense. So, I'm going to leave y'all with, you know, know yourself, accept yourself, control yourself, express yourself. Case yourself. Don't catch a case. I love it. Peace. Go within so you don't have to go without. It's been real. One more time, Fit Tayasha, where can they find you? Everywhere. Everywhere. Fit Tayasha. I might take them periods out. F dot I dot T dot T A I A S H A. But see that lets me know you can follow instructions. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag Master Healing Educator. And text 502-219-7483. 502-21-RIGHT. Tell me why you write. Tell me why you live. What's the question you ask me every day? Tell me what, what kept, kept you. you. Yes what kept you thank y'all we're looking forward to finishing out the season of god moments if we ever finish because <laughs> those god moments are just breathtaking so i just want to thank my listeners y'all continue to stay connected and trust me we see the analytics hey, we see the feedback get out the street and we love it <laughs> real west side stuff <laughs> atl shouty pew 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 <laughs>